0: Radio
1: Brunch Talk with Olive.
2: It's again that time of the week where we get to do brunch. Welcome to the Brunch Talk with me, Olive Najuma. And I hope that you have had a splendid week and that you have great plans for the weekend. But first of all, you know, Uganda, we are so UG as a country, we have had quite an interesting week. Some people like to say that Uganda never runs out of drama. And this week, I'm inclined to believe that they have a point. So we had the Twitter rants of the first son, now a full general, who until Tuesday was the commander land forces. He, in one of his tweets, bragged that it would take him and his army, the UPDF, um, a fortnight to capture Nairobi that didn't go well with many including his father who reiterated by dropping him as the commander of land forces but away from the tweeting general and his father uganda also saw the birth of a new political party the national economic empowerment dialogue need with former presidential candidate joseph kabuleta as its president joseph kabuleta is a seasoned journalist sports analyst pastor and politician. Will be joining me on the Brunch Talk this afternoon to tell us more about need and also weigh in on the political events that occurred this week when we come back. Brunch Talk with Olive it's the branch talk my name is olive Najuma, and i am so happy that you're joining me today and on the phone with me is joseph kableta a former presidential candidate and now the president of uganda's newest political party need you're welcome to the branch talk sir
1: thank you very much
2: so congratulations about the new party
1: Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) So in 2021, you launched a political movement, National Economic Empowerment Dialogue, which is NEED. And uh, now it is a political party. I'm curious to know what has compelled you to turn the political movement into a political party?
1: Because it's a lot easier to do politics when you have a party. Okay. Um, uh, When you have a movement, you can gather people who believe in your Ideology and in your what you're fronting for and everything you're pushing for, they believe in it. If you do not have a party when it comes to election, those people will probably find some party somewhere to stand under. So you're almost like a, you know, a school that does not have an exam center. Okay, so you, you teach students, but when it comes to sitting exams, they go to another school to sit for exams. Now that is problematic because. If your students get first grades, you cannot claim those first grades because there is that and another, you know, um, a another number. school number. yes. So, so that school will claim the first grades and not you. So, um, so we had to get our own exam center, so to speak, so that those who believe in us can come and join us and they don't have to go and look for an umbrella.
2: Uh, was the pun intended?
1: No, it was actually, I didn't mean it that way. but <laughs> um, uh, okay. I actually did not mean it as a symbol. I meant they don't have to go and look for covering elsewhere.
2: Okay. Mm. So you say that Uganda's politics is built on personality cults, but need will change the narrative by creating a dominant ideology. Please explain how.
1: Um, we've already started because we know our idea. First of all, I do not think that there's any party that has a clear ideology um, of all those that have existed. I would task you to mention uh, the ideology, for instance, of NRM. They do not have one. I even asked.
2: Steady progress. Uh, their
1: uh, <laughs> so that those are those are campaign slogans for different years. The one this time was even uh, different. Um, um, Securing your future, steady progress. All that. Those are just campaign lines, taglines. But I'm meaning an ideology. They do not have any. And neither um, uh, do actually all the parties in, in truth. Now, for us, we wanted to actually start something that. Uh, people can identify with something so that when you're talking need, there is something that you associate it with other than another political party trying to be uh, take over power or perhaps trying to be a force in the political space. But you can identify it with something. Now, if you can, then that means all the people who identify with what it is we are pushing have the liberty to come and join us. And um, ideology is one of the ways that uh, you take away personality cults because if you are selling uh, a personality, then you just don't necessarily need an ideology. all you need to do is build up that person as as a savior of sort and you know um, build uh, get a follow cult following for him and so on. But if you're building an ideology then you have to convince people and really really uh, try to get issue based politics mm. in our country which has been lacking because for instance when I look at, um, let's say even Kenya, which has most recently been in election. Yes. You see that all of their four candidates, even the two who were no-hoppers, were pushing for some specific things. For for instance, the, the one who turned out winner was pushing for reduction of food prices uh, by empowering farmers. And so and it was very clear in his campaign. And it was a clear message across. This is what I am going to do and um, uh, even his operator had a clear message he was pushing there was one who was pushing mar- mar- marijuana, we are going to legalize marijuana and water, and that was his message and it was clear, and he got 60,000 votes, which means there are 60,000 people whose biggest issue is legalizing marijuana, so um, uh, regardless of how trivial the issues might have seemed, they were there nobody was pushing their personalities so in such a case Even attacking somebody's personality is useless. Yes. Because that's not what he's saying. He's saying an ideology. So now when you do that, then you remove a lot of the personal abuse and so on. Let discussions be about issues. So if I put an issue out to you, you are not at liberty necessarily to abuse me because I'm not not saying me. I'm saying my issue. If you disagree with it, then go out there and disagree with it. So I'm... And it's the whole culture of the thing and all the fact that all the elections we've had have actually been referendums, not real elections. Okay? Because um, from 1996, the only issue that has been on the ballot is removing Museveni. From Semogerele through all the years of BCJ through recently uh, of Chagulani, it is all about we are removing Museveni. Now, that's the referendum on whether Museveni should stay or should go. But none of those people clearly articulated, having removed Museveni, what it is they are bringing. Mm. So now that is what we are trying to change. Removing Museveni is one issue and that's important. But what can then be expected of you if you actually do succeed in doing that?
2: In removing Museveni?
1: Yes. What contract do you have with the voters that this is what you are supposed to hold me up to? Because if we tell them we are removing Museveni, if you happen to remove him, then... Then what? Yeah, then what? But then you have nothing. You're not accountable to the voters thereafter. You've done everything you told them you're going to do. Now that's dangerous, because what happens if you are also another Museveni. But then if you say this is the contract we are holding up to Mm -hmm. you, this is what you should expect from us. If we do succeed to get power and hold us up to these ideals, hold us up to these promises because we are putting these promises in your face. Now, that's different. That means that if you actually remove Museveni, that is the beginning of you rather than the end of you know your program.
2: All right. So, please tell us about the ideology, needs ideology.
1: First of all, our tagline is money in the pocket. Yes. That's uh, important because there is a system that has been built by Museveni that actually... Um, takes money out of people's pockets. And they do not realize it, but you realize that people work hard and they try to accumulate money. But it never sticks. And then they start blaming themselves because uh, they are trying to make money, but they they never uh, kind of ever get to the point of accumulating it to a certain point. And they blame themselves. But then there's a system which takes money out of people's pockets in all sorts of ways okay through exorbitant prices um, of electricity which people don't think about instantly but which affect a lot of things for instance electricity how can Uganda be in the top 5 of the highest electricity tariffs in the world when we are probably in the bottom 10 of you know uh, the top 10 of the poorest and yet we are in the top 5 of the highest electricity tariffs in the world um, what does that do to us how can we be paying taxes, I mean uh, electricity tariffs at the same rate as countries whose GDP is 50 or 60 times bigger than ours?
2: At the same rate as Norway or Sweden? At the
1: same rate as Sweden uh, whose GDPs are um, not GDP, actually GDP per capita, um, uh, 50 or 60 times bigger than ours. So how does that affect? People ask what are you going to do about giving jobs to the youth? There is no country that can develop its industry when you have electricity tariffs like ours. I was seeing the other day Kenya complaining that companies are running away because of electricity tariffs. Their tariffs are much less than ours. So if um, factories, which is um, for economies like ours a very important part of progress, cannot come and operate here profitably because of the electricity tariffs, how are you going to get jobs for your people? Um, I mean, then there's fuel, then there's all other things. You see, the rate of, the kind of taxation, the hospital, um, things which are supposed to be free are not free. Then um, at every level, there is something that is pulling out money out of your pocket in one way or another. So it does not accumulate, regardless of how, unless, of course, you are blessed politically. Mm. Uh, but uh, it does not accumulate. And you cannot actually say you've reached a certain level of financial comfort so they'll tell you save save but what are you saving yeah what are you saving and in a short time your savings can be wiped out okay Mm. for instance if there is a medical emergency if somebody has a medical emergency and has to go for an operation forget india even in kenya because you don't have those facilities here Mm. then suddenly all your savings are wiped out because you have to stay alive. Actually, COVID-19
2: was the biggest uh, uh, realization that we are doing badly as a country because people that thought themselves rich and were in the hospitals that many people could not afford found Mm. themselves in a situation where now they had to come for funds so that they could be kept onto oxygen. Mm.
1: Yeah, as well as so many other things Yes. which through the period of covid I'm um, assured uh, that we are, I mean, like you have to really, really be at the very top to be assured of proper medical care. Now, that is just not good. But anyway, that's just one of the ways that it used to happen. Now, inflation, um, uh, now you see even um, uh, the coffee industry being taken away and given to one person. and At every stage, there is something that is meant to take money out of your pocket. So, What we are saying is that we can actually reverse the trend and start putting money in your pocket and empowering you. And that's not the most difficult thing when you are in a country like Uganda, Mm. which is extremely blessed. Okay? Every group of people have a a way you can put money in their pocket with proper leadership. And I don't mean getting government funds and giving to people, like giving out actual Mm. You know, banknotes. No, that's not what I mean. Uh, So you wouldn't do something
2: like the parish development model or emilgar?
1: No, no, no. no. Parish development, let let me tell you something. Um, I was talking on the radio in Chigesi and they were saying parish development model is going to take so many people out of poverty and so on. I told Mm -hmm. them it is not going to take anybody out of poverty and it is not designed to take anybody out of poverty because Museveni's design is to keep people in poverty. I told him, for instance, if Museveni just said we are no longer importing Irish potatoes, because I was talking to people from Chigezi who grow a lot of Irish potatoes. I told him, if he said we are no longer allowing the importation of any Irish potatoes from across the country, and so that all the people in Kampala who eat chips and whatever have to go and get Irish potatoes from Kabadi, suddenly the demand would be high, suddenly the price of the Irish potatoes would be higher, and suddenly they would get rich without getting any parish development model. And that is empowerment. That's how you get, no, not handouts. You know, the opposite of empowerment is handouts. Because yes. somebody who gives you handouts, disempowers you. Like they're giving goes, you
2: the fish. They're not teaching you to fish. Uh, they're not giving exactly. you a net to get the fish yourself.
1: Exactly. Now, there are things they can do providing markets for those things. For instance, in Tanzania, when Magufuli became president, mm-hmm. I know businessmen who were exporting a lot of maize to Tanzania. The first thing he did is to shut out Ugandan maize. And within a matter of a few months, Tanzania was producing its own maize. And not depending on uh, cheaper maize in Uganda, because there was a lot more here. Even if it means buying it a bit more expensive. But when it's being grown by Tanzanians, we shall do that. Until those Tanzanians develop their capacity enough to produce it as cheap as we are buying it from Uganda. That's how you develop a nation. Okay, that's how you make policies that put money in people's pockets. Because then suddenly, um, um, demand for things rises. And then the people who are producing, those things are empowered. And they do not feel threatened. There are people who are growing a lot of rice here in Uganda. As soon as the season comes, then they import a lot of rice from Tanzania. And then the market, uh, the price of rice drops here drastically because of the rice being imported from Tanzania and the people who invested in it are losing money. So they do it once, twice, lose money once, twice, and three times, then they give up on growing rice. Then the next thing will become a purely consumer economy. Now we are actually importing rice from Tanzania because we do not have our own rice, because our rice farmers were discouraged when they tried it once, twice, and three times, and did not work out. Then you go and find people who are not lazy and have tried out all sorts of ventures. But every time they're on the verge, of getting something, government pulls off a move which is going to destabilize that industry and destroy it. The latest now I've seen people are all going for these overkedos, you know, these small overkedos, which people are going to plant. And I was going up country and I was seeing so many people are getting enthusiastically into overkedo growing. Then the other day I saw the Minister of Agriculture coming, saying, you know, we are going to give you seedlings to try. And I knew that is the beginning of the death of that industry. And I'm telling you that until you understand that you have a government which tries hard to keep people in poverty, you start blaming yourself. We are not working hard enough. But there are people who are working twice as hard as other people. And they are still not accumulating wealth. Wow. And and, and uh, so those are some of the policies that you change. Just change policy, Empower people. And you do not need to give them any money. Within a short time, within one or two years, they're self-reliant. Are well, yes, self-reliant and, and actually wealthy. Tending on wealth and starting to live middle-class lifestyle.
2: Well, you're listening to The Branch Talk. My name is Olive Najuma, and I'm speaking to the newest president of the newest political party NEED. That is Mr. Joseph Cableta. First of all, he's been telling us about his new party and uh, their agenda, their ideology. We'll be right back with Mr. Kableta. Hey,
1: yeah, I know you heard of- Yo, this is Drake. It's Normani. Whiskey. Kanye West. Chloe Bailey. What's good, y'all? This is the Mayor Capella Green. This is Lil Nas X. Yo, what up? This your boy, Meek Mill, right here. Hey. This is Rx Radio. Radio. Brunch Talk. With Olive
2: welcome back welcome back this is the branch talk my name is Olive Najuma. thank you so much for always doing this with me every Saturday now if you are a first time listener of the branch talk we do this every Saturday 12 to 1 o'clock and uh, I thank you so much for always sparing the time to tune in to listen to opinion leaders to newsmakers, to professionals about different subjects different topics now today we are looking at some of the events that occurred during this week but we started with uh, uh, first of all uh, congratulating the newest president of the newest political party in Uganda did you know that now with the addition of need that Uganda has over 27 political parties I didn't know that (laughs) now I know so Mr. Kableta this is when I actually I have a question for you since mm. the restoration of multi-party politics in 2005, many mm. political parties have come on board with NEED, uh, now making them 27. But mm. one needs a reminder that most of them actually exist. I actually didn't know we had this many political parties in our country. And my question here is, what will make NEED stay above the fray?
1: Um, uh, First of all, even before we became a political party, we were above the fray. So this can only take us, because um, uh, you knew about need before it became a party, right?
2: Yes, I
1: did. So you know all the other, do you know so many of the other parties that have existed? No. (laughs) No. So the thing is, already we were standout before we became a party. Okay. So we shall continue being standout even after we became a party and we shall still move with the same vigor. Okay. So, and and then the rest remains to be seen. You know, people ask, yeah, how different are you? How different are you? Yes. I mean, if if we took questions like that, seriously, Um, uh, would never do anything, you know? Because if you think of starting a business, uh, people will say, yeah, that business has been started. How different is yours? How different are you? I mean, imagine if, what are you going to start that has not been started by anybody else?
2: That's true. Everything else Uh, has has been been started.
1: Yeah, but you start yours believing that yours is going to succeed. So, and uh, for the most part, I mean, if you really, really believe it will succeed, it does succeed. Now, the fact that others have failed before, they should not hold anybody back from trying out, you know, um, something new in that line.
2: Okay. So Mm. let's jump into some of the events, the other events that occurred this week. The General's Mm. tweets. (laughs) Uh, I will quote some and I will begin with this one where he said, It would take my army and me two weeks to capture Nairobi. And in regards to the recent Kenyan elections, he tweeted, I love my Kenyan relatives, constitution, rule of law. You must be joking. For us, there is only the revolution and you will soon learn about it. Of course, he went on and on saying many things, talking about Russia, how Africa must support Russia and so many other tweets. And I'm wondering, what were your sentiments when you read these tweets?
1: <laughs> to <be> honest, no. <laughs> Um, no. The thing, okay, yeah, yeah, like I really don't um, go there and start analyzing what he's saying. Mm. Um, I, I, I learned how to ignore him completely, but then there's something I have to tell you, about um, uh, Those things are intentional.
2: Okay.
1: He's trying to achieve something, and people do not see it. They just think perhaps he's drunk or he's stupid. No, he's not. He's trying to achieve something. For instance, amidst the tweet storm is promoted to general, and uh, that means that if you count the rate at which he has been promoted, it is in contravention to the UPDF statute on how promotion is supposed to be done. So if they had just come out and said, now we've made him a full general, I am sure there would be so many people up in arms. But at about the time when they are about to make him general, then the tweets come, everybody is talking about the tweets, then he's promoted to general and clothes closer there, which is where he was headed anyway. So, there are things which I can't think. Okay, not that I think he's the most intelligent person, not by a stretch. But I can't think that he is that um, uh, daft to do. You know, he's, he's, he's up to something. Then he's tweeting that he wants to marry the newly elected Italian prime minister. Yes. Then he's uh, appointing someone. He's trying to achieve something. And there's an attention he's trying to get. And usually, that attention is supposed to take attention away from other serious issues which are happening.
2: So, uh, so, so, so. something that
1: always works here in Uganda. You create a diversion, Mm -hmm. and uh, people always fall for it, and they miss the real news.
2: Wow. So what you're trying to say is that, because uh, some people have been actually jubilating, saying, "Oh, mm. he was punished. He was dropped. He no longer has control of the land forces because now he's no longer the commander land forces." But what you're trying to say is that actually that pales in comparison to his promotion. That the promotion was the gist of the matter.
1: Well, those uh, designations can be changed any time. Yes. Okay what cannot be changed is the time and is subject to a statute are ranks so the rank is more important than a designation the designation is like um uh, an, an appointment to some office to go and do what. but the rank is all that matters okay in a short time is major general he's the general is general okay mm. now that can be queried at another time if there were no tweets to occupy us Mm. Okay uh, it can be queried it absolutely can be queried because it contravenes certain things. so and now it always works that he know, he knows what he's saying that he wants to marry. you think he's that daft okay, I know he's maybe you know not the most intelligent person around, but he, he knows what he's doing. The trouble is that we do not know what he's doing and then it passes. then even the father comes and plays the same game apologizing to Kenya and so on and then promoting him. They ask how you promote him? Yet he has done some, spoken something so stupid. And he says, no, no, it's actually. Uh, usually we, 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 we do not throw away the baby with the back, what I'm paraphrasing. Uh, if somebody is doing something good, uh, we reward the good even as we punish. Removing him as command of land forces is no, no punishment. Now that he is general, what happens if tomorrow you hear that he's the chief of defence forces?
2: Actually, Which there ha- th- there has been talk regarding that with a section of mm. Ugandan saying that uh, some of you are, j- are jubilating. I am paraphrasing mm. some of the tweets where some people mm. are like, you're jubilating that he has been dropped, but he is mm. now general. And before you know it, he could uh, possibly become the chief of defense forces.
1: Yeah, because you see, he could not become the chief of defense forces when he was resting at general because oh. the army has generals. The army has generals, so you cannot be their commander when you have a lesser rank. Okay, now they appear to remove the smaller thing and give him the rank. Now, with the rank of general, he can become anything. But the trouble is, Ugandans are very gullible that's the truth very, very gullible.
2: Like you just test them with something and they will bite. Is that yeah, what you're they, saying? You create
1: a simple diversion and they will bite, hook, line, and sinker, and they do that all the time, just a small diversion. And they will go for it remember there was a time i don't know no another radio station was asking me about what do you have to say about the law about bail musevini cannot remove bail i told them musevini does not want to remove bail that's a diversion he's passing a mineral bill and an oil bill and he has to create a diversion and everybody jumped on bail is a constitutional right now what happened to the bail? has anybody touched it no no but the bills passed while you won the bail so and in they are your giving opinion- a lot of... They are, they are giving... They are, the bills passed and queried and discussed the way he wanted them and he gave you a diversion of... Uh, and the day Ugandans learned that Muslim doesn't make speeches saying anything of relevance. He's always giving people something to talk about. So you come and throw a cassava line then everybody is on cassava. Then he And he plays Ugandans man he is good at it. And then he comes and says we're well, swearing in the chief justice no, we have to, you know, remove bail. How do you give bail to repists and murderers? Then people jump up and what, and the, all the bills that he wants passes. This is how he has been ruling the country. And unfortunately, people always, always fall for it.
2: Now, uh, speaking of President Museveni, the apology that you referred to earlier, mm-hmm. um, a section of Ugandans have actually castigated him for apologizing instead of letting his son take, uh, you know, holding him accountable, you know, for the tweets that he made. But also, you say that uh, um, General Mohose's tweets were, uh, you know, were a means to an end and the end being general. So in your opinion, you don't see that uh, those tweets were actually dangerous, that they could risk the security of our country?
1: They were not dangerous in the extent that they were so laughable mm. that nobody took them. So do you think the Kenyan army was suddenly deploying because Mohosa was treated?
2: No, I know no, they, they weren't, but it was nobody a threat did. against a neighboring nation.
1: It was not. It was just something to laugh about on social media. Like if you had picked, for instance, and said, imagine like five years ago, if he had said that that about Rwanda, mm. then that can be dangerous. Because at the time, we were, uh, perhaps even a bit now, there was um, tension between Uganda and Rwanda, but there is none between Uganda and Kenya right now. So it's like being just basically like being in a pub and telling somebody I will slap you when you're joking, and the person knows you're joking because and it was taken. Of course, the Kenyans were offended, extremely offended and what and so on, but not at official levels. It was at social media levels and political commentary levels, not on, not on those levels. So that is something that can pass very easily. Now the other things which he could have said, which might have had consequence, and he knows not to say. Now you think he thinks that um, him saying he wants to marry newly elected um, uh, Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni is going to have any impact whatsoever? He
2: knows no, not. I, I, of is, course And, and that, he uh,
1: wants uh, it to be, and he wants it to be extremely laughable, eh? ridiculous enough to create hot debate, and yet ridiculous enough to be taken not seriously by the people who should have taken it seriously. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, the tweets about the Italian uh, uh, prime minister didn't really make sense. No one took them no. seriously.
1: <laughs> no, that's, and that's the point. He wants to create vibes. Eh? And then <laughs> you start saying, this guy wasn't even a point, I think I will send so-and-so to go and negotiate the cows and so on. Eh? And people like, how can you be diverted by things so simple? Huh? So, like it is so obviously a diversion anyway is general now mm. and um, probably won't be long before his command of defense forces
2: and according to you you believe that the MHO's project is still as strong as it was way before this
1: I don't know about strong but there is still an intention mm. by his father and a few people around him to make it that boy president
2: <laughs> you just called him a boy
1: <laughs> mm. yeah. he's a
2: 48 year old man
1: uh, well, 48 uh, year old juvenile, and I'm <laughs> going by his tweets. <laughs> I've never met him, so i going, <laughs> going by his tweets. He looks like a teenager to me.
2: Okay, we'll mm. cut to a short break and then we'll be back with uh, Mr. Joseph Cableta. And when we come back, I am going to ask about his opinion regarding the East African crude oil pipeline. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Rx Radio.
2: Brunch Talk
1: with Olive.
2: It's the Brunch Talk on Rx Radio with me, Olive Najuma. and uh, I'm hoping you're having a wonderful weekend. I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're happy. The year is ending. I'm sure some people are already making cake orders. You know those Christmas cakes where there is a lot of fruit and then oh. tailors are getting busy, you know, making custom made uh, attires for the women and of course some men and some children. Well, let's do everything we want to do as long as we are safe but the times are hard there is the inflation so when you're spending you need to spend uh, with care because uh, you don't want to reach christmas time and you start calling people calling your friends selfish just because you never saved or you never you know spent with care well mr kableta has many things to say about saving in uganda (laughs) welcome back to the branch talk sir thank you So, I want us to look into the EU, that is the European Parliament's stance on the East African crude oil pipeline. As you're aware, due to alleged environmental and human rights violations, the European Union Parliament resolved to hold the construction of the 1,444 kilometre pipeline expected to transport crude oil from Kabale, Hoima in western Uganda to the the Tanzanian coast of Tanga on the Indian Ocean. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering, must the European Union be bothered or must it bother itself with the matters regarding Uganda's oil? And why?
1: Because they are the ones financing it. Total is a European company registered in France and they are the ones investing in Uganda.
2: But Total now, is a private
1: Uganda. company. Yes, but it is governed by those laws. Okay. You see, so so the fact that all Ugandan politicians are... Being, this is why uh, Uganda is a sovereign country. If your sovereign, get the money to invest in the oil. Mm -hmm. If you are depending on money which comes from Europe, then you're not sovereign, so to speak. Mm. So the reason the European Union parliament can even discuss it is because they know a company which is registered in France, which is in the European Union, is the one which is financing the thing. And we do not have the capacity to finance it. $24 billion. We do not have that capacity. So as long as we do not have the capacity, they have the say because they have the money. Okay? Now, that said, the issues of environment are not a concern for me whatsoever as far as creating livelihoods for people in Uganda is concerned. Okay? In any case, we have destroyed livelihoods for less, I mean, the environment for less, you know, important things. People are cutting down forests to plant sugarcane. So, to plant rights uh, <laughs> the environment is not a big issue for me however the issue of human rights is major and on that I, I really support that the East African crude oil pipeline let it first be held a bit mm. I think we are sure that because I was with somebody from Bulisa when we were launching our my, my part on Monday and um, one of our delegates was uh, Bulisa. there was a campaign of stop East African crude oil pipeline long before The European Union came up. And what were they saying? People have not been compensated. People have been uh, deprived of their right to earn a living from other beings. For instance, they have been chased off the lake from one second, down all the way to Nteroko, chased off Lake Albert, apparently because of oil. But they were just fishing. And they could continue fishing even as people. But you know, somehow, when resources show up in a place the uh, the, the, uh, the brutality comes with them in Uganda because of the greedy, greedy people that rule us. I spoke to you here on, um, on Rx Radio about um, uh, Karamoja. Yes. Where people are dying who just want to feed and water their cattle because there is gold. So they must be killed because there is gold in their place. Now, in Bunjoro, I'm told the level of poverty. People are being chased off their land, not fully compensated, um, uh, there are people who apparently have connections to the compensation process. So if you're supposed to be compensated, let's say um, um, 7 or 8 million an acre, the person will say, you stay with your land, then nobody's going to compensate you. But if you sell it to me at 2 million, me, I will go and get compensation. And people are selling their land at 2 million shillings, and yet even across, even within Bolisa itself, they cannot buy the same um, uh, you know acreage of land for even 7 million. Imagine you sell an acre of land at 2 million and you cannot buy an acre of land somewhere else.
2: At the not same far amount. Away.
1: At the same amount, the acre of land is 7 million. So you end up with a plot because people have to do an East African crude oil pipeline and the money has been given to compensate these people. But the process is as usual. Then you cross the border into Tanzania and all the people who lived where the crude oil pipeline is supposed to pass have been properly Compensated. Nobody is complaining. All of them have gotten their money. There was a clear assessment of how much they are supposed to get. And they were given the money. And all of them left happily. But it can never be that straightforward in is Uganda. Never. Because of the greedy people that rule this country. The money has been given as part of the investment for the pipeline. Money has been given to compensate all the people who stay, who had land. Um, uh, you know, in the, in the areas where the pipeline is passing. So that should not be a problem, but it is. Money has been given to compensate people who are, who are staying hard land where the airport in Kabbalah is supposed to be built in Kabbalah in Greece. That's also problematic. And in all those places, the investors give money for the people who were previously staying in that place. But because of the country we live in, the money does not get there. And now, if this had not come up, those people were going to be squeezed, quietly squeezed, and led to roll over and die. Nobody would hear their case. So they are the ones jubilating. I was even seeing banners and so, and, you know, shirt stickers of Stop East African crude oil pipeline, from Hoima and Budisa. Because finally, they feel that their issue has come out. But before European Union, even if they, they couldn't make noise, they would be blocked off all media houses and so on. Oil has to flow, but now finally they are now, now maybe they will get compensated. Now, generally speaking, we do not. Um, uh, we are not against the East African crude oil pipeline. Mm. What I'm against is that. Why don't you compensate people when the money has been given? Why don't people live happy? And it is so easy to compensate people. It's most of that place is the village. It is very easy. There were assessments which were done as early as 2019. Assessment of how much money, depending on how big the area it is, that you own where the pipeline is passing. Assessments were made. And people were told, now stop doing activities here. Stop living here. Stop growing your crops here. But they have not been paid.
2: I've seen allegations of families saying that uh, they cannot bury their dead because their land was taken, their ancestral land was taken, and they haven't allegedly gotten money yet to buy land and, you know, exhume their dead and, uh, of course, bury the new people that die.
1: Yes, all those things were taken care of. When they were doing assessment, even people who had houses, which were supposed to be raised down, those who had grass-thatched houses were given less money those who had permanent houses were given more money there was a proper assessment that was done and everybody had um an amount that they were expecting from the thing but it was supposed to be very straightforward as it was in tazania because this is not money that is coming from government coffers. this is money that has been given by the investors but still they do not want to compensate the people So now, finally, the people have a voice that is bigger than theirs. European Union. So those are the human rights issues that, for me, I'm concerned about. Okay? Okay. Resources are supposed to benefit, first and foremost, the people who live in the locality where the resources are found. That is what it is supposed to be. I can mention so many other places in Uganda where people have suffered because they have found resources in their place. I mentioned Karamoja. I can mention Sebei region chased away from the land, women raped because they want them to run away from the land, cows taken because cows are used to hold the land, and it's either to people away and they have no livestock, and so on, so people into poverty in a short span of, of, of just like one year. Why? Because they discovered gold.
2: Which, which is such an irony because uh, one would think that now that they have discovered resources in a certain area, the people in those areas are going to live, uh, you know, in a better kind of life, live a better kind of lifestyle. And uh, I think this is common with most African countries. I've seen documentaries about areas where they uh, they, they mine uh, minerals like cobalt and whatnot. And most of mm. these areas are usually very impoverished. So is it like a curse of every African Place uh, like a region that has minerals.
1: The caste is in leadership. The caste is a leadership caste. Mm. It's the one which brings uh, the curses of uh, resource cast. Because they get when there are resources, there are people who are so, you know, um, um uh, you know, insatiable,
0: yes. and
1: they just descend on helpless people. And then they despise these people. Somebody wants to feed these cattle and water them. And somebody is seeing these gold here. So now, because of the difference of interest and this person being seen as, you know, very petty because of wanting to look, so his interests are not taken into account. And yet actually those people can be taken somewhere else. And you go ahead and mine your gold without killing anybody. Mm. And you just relocate the people, give them compensation, let them go and buy land elsewhere and proceed with their lifestyle. Okay. It's supposed to be very straightforward. I am telling you in Tanzania, everybody was paid all the way up to Tanga. Paid. It was not Tanzanian money, it is investor money.
2: But then in Uganda, it's a whole different U- story.
1: U- U- Uganda, Musaven is Uganda. <laughs> Nasty people will make an assessment for 150 million and then they look at the old woman who is supposed to get it and they say we cannot get 150 million and give it to this woman
2: like a and 100, 150 mi- she has no use for 150 million yes, shillings
1: but it's not their money they are displacing her they are displacing her uh, uh, you know uh, soup of matoke and what but they cannot give her any money they can't. They will find a way of twisting it, twisting it, and not just, you know, there's a group of people who are connected in government, very voracious, very greedy, greedy barbarians. To use the uh, Kakuenza's <laughs> Yes. Very greedy people. Very greedy people. Like they have access to loads of money, but they will jump up at the sound of a coin. They I mean, I don't know what's wrong with this country. Like, honestly honestly um uh, let the bazungu stop the pipeline until everybody is happy at least everybody is compensated for me environment is not an issue for me
2: but because uh, like you say it has been destroyed for less
1: yes and then also we need money more than we need environment yeah,
2: you see? We, do yeah, need we, need yeah. we do need money as a country we do need money because the pipeline alone is expected to provide up to 15,000 construction jobs and between 1,000 to 2,000 permanent ones. Yes. but And of course, the nation will yield from that too.
1: But what is going to happen even in the jobs league, is, you know, uh, there will be very, very unskilled and low, uh, the, the lowest manpower will be given to indigenous people and the others will be brought from somewhere else. I'm telling you. And then you find the people who are the jobs they are talking about are all very low-paying jobs. It's the same thing that they talk about. We are providing jobs, jobs, but what's the quality of the jobs they are providing, and who are taking them?
2: Is it because the investors themselves decide on who should be given which high-end job, or it is government?
1: No, it has nothing to do with investors. It has everything to do with government. I'll give you an example. Um. Uh, when Magufuri became president, he went even up to the U.S. embassy and told them that if there is anybody here who is an accountant, we have accountants in Tanzania. You remain in immigration. Don't give jobs to foreigners here when there are Tanzanians who can do them. And he inflicted that. I mean, he, he imposed is the word I wanted to use. Um. Uh, that mindset, and then Tanzanians were getting jobs. Mm. Okay. Because investors are not just supposed to come and take it. Because they are not helping you to invest. They are investing.
2: They are gaining okay. something.
1: They are gaining a lot of money. The total is getting 62% of the proceeds from that oil. 62
2: And how much does Uganda and Tanzania get?
1: Uganda gets 15. Tanzania gets 15. Wow. The Chinese get 8. Because they are a smaller investors so we are getting the same as Tanzania um, uh, and the way is ours I don't know how that works but you anyway. <laughs> know uh,
2: Could it have something to do with the fact that Tanzania will have will give us access to the cost
1: Of course that is there and because the distance that uh, the pipeline goes through Tanzania is big 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 distance three times the distance in Uganda from Boliza to the border So, all that, and of course, there will also have to be, you know, the whole, you know, eating and all that process. So, yes, there is that. But still, I think we should have gotten more than them because we are the possessors of the oil. But anyway, those deals were done by people without even, you know, um, um, uh, going through the processes. They are supposed to go through Parliament and all that. I mean, real processes of discussion. Deliberations by Parliament, Uh, the the nation itself. yes. They did not go through those processes because we are busy talking about um, the bail, removing of bail, which bail is still there and which he never intended to move.
2: But the Minerast dis- passed.
1: Yeah, and he gave us a good destruction, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, anyway, that has already been done. But compensation for the people. Why do people have to be chased away from their livelihoods just because of the oil in a place? You know? You refuse to move, something will happen. People have died. That's why you go to this right now. There is a whole movement of stop eco. East African crude oil pipeline.
2: So Mr. Kabuleta what before would, the
1: European Union, by the way. Mm.
2: What would be your parting words before we close off?
1: My parting words is need is ready to take this country to the next level. Financially, first and foremost. That's all.
2: Okay. And for those who want party cards?
1: Those one particular they oh, here in Bukorov, You can come and you know, and buy some, and we discuss how we can work together.
2: Okay, thank you so much for gracing the branch talk today. You're welcome. Have a lovely day. You too. Thank you so much for being a part of the branch talk on this eighth day of October 2022. By the way. Tomorrow, we are making 60 years as an independent country. Of course, some people believe that we are not as independent as we think we are. They think that we still dance to the tunes of our former colonizers, but that is a topic for another day. For today, happy independence to all my dear, beloved Ugandan brothers and sisters. We are 60. That's a huge thing. And for you out there that is living your life, I hope you living your life and doing things that are taking you to the next level. On my parting shots today, I want you to take care of yourself, take care of your mental health, take care of everything that makes you who you are. Protect your space, protect anything that endangers your mental wellness today and every day of your life because you matter first before anyone else. You matter. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you don't. My name is Olive Najoma, thank you so much for joining me on the Brunch Talk. I'll catch you again next Saturday at 12 o'clock.
0: Bye bye.